All right, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read those couple of verses once again and, and we'll continue. <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Let's go ahead and... And pray. Father in heaven, please bless this evening. I pray that you be glorified and honored in all that's said and done. Help me stay true to your word. May you use your word to strengthen us and to draw us closer to you. And I pray that you be glorified. Please change us, Lord. I love you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, we started this this morning. I'm going to continue and get this, this portion of this message finished tonight as I begin this short series on the armor of God and and trying to stress with these two messages and why we need the armor. So that it's, it's more than just some Sunday school verses to us. It's more than just some imaginary image in our mind of what the armor of God looks like. That you will see the necessity of it in your life. That is something that you will run to. That is something that you will put on. That you will not let go. Because we are in a battle. There's a very real spiritual battle that is taking place. As I mentioned this morning, there are casualties everywhere. It is real. It is true. It is solid. And, and we need to be prepared for the battle. And God who has intervened, knowing how weak we are, that we are at a great disadvantage as compared to Satan, who has been at this for 6,000 years. 6,000 years he's been at this. He knows what he's doing. And in our own flesh, and our own strength, we're just at a complete disadvantage. And as verse 10 starts, we looked at, we need God's strength. Three different words, as it was painting a picture for us, of what God is providing for us with the armor of God. Of how that this, of the power that we're going to have is, is strong, it's powerful. It, that the word, that, where we get the word dynamite from, it will be manifested, it will be clear that it's God that is helping, that it's God that is working, um, and that it is given to us by the Lord. We see it was a directive, that it was a command of God. It's not your option. You know, it's, it's a command of God to put the armor on. It's not only found here in Ephesians chapter 6, but as we talked and as I also brought up the other places that it is found in Romans chapter 13 and 2 Corinthians as well, where we have the instruction to put on the armor of God. And as I mentioned, my whole point of this is to try to get you to see if you don't even need a command. Where you, would, you want this on. You, you, this is from God. It is divine. It is something that works each and every time. And we desperately need it in our life. And then this morning, as I was concluding, we began looking at the last point of this message, and that is the devil and his demons. Who the enemy is. Knowing who it is that you are facing, not being ignorant of his devices. And, and again, he, has, he, he, he doesn't seem to take any time off. He just continues and continues and continues. You can see it throughout all of world history. You can almost look back and see the different strategies that he has put into place to affect cultures and change society, move people from God. We looked at several different examples of, of those things that the devil has, has that one time just appeared to be stalwarts for the Lord. And they were uh, like Highland Park Baptist Church, Tennessee Temple University. 
and, and, and what that meant to this nation and to the world and how the Lord was using it. Yet it didn't take long for that thing to be decimated. It no longer even exists today. It is completely gone. And prior to that, it had changed greatly. I remember on deputation even traveling to go sit in one of their services. It was the only time I did that. They had a chapel service. It was still in place. I knew great changes had already happened to it. They, they, the changes were, were, as I mentioned, they were beginning in the late 70s. The, the, the groundwork was in place. And during the 1980s, the changes were taking place at the university. So we had traveled there with the family. We were in the Chattanooga area, and I went to one of the chapel services, and it was one was practically empty. That was, that was sad to see, sitting in that enormous auditorium. And, but just thinking what the devil did, it was it meant, it, amazing how God was using it to the point now it no longer exists. I stress this morning how you have to understand that the armor God has given us is based on the capabilities of our enemy. He knows exactly what we need to be able to stand against the devil and and his evil ways and the strategies that he's going to employ. So the armor we have is given to us specifically based on our enemy. You choose to forego the armor, you will lose. Now, let's pick up. That is where I left off this morning. So let's look at the enemy. Let's dive into this a little bit. The enemy has many different names in Scripture. He has the name devil, of course, which means accuser. Uh, because he accuses, the Bible tells us, he accuses God's people day and night before the throne of God. He has the name Satan, which means adversary. Because he is the enemy of God. He is our enemy at the very moment you get saved. He is called the tempter. And we certainly understand what that is all about. He is called a murderer, a liar. He is compared to a lion, a serpent, an angel of light, as well as the God of this world world. He knows what he is doing. He's not, he is not ignorant of our devices. People deny he exists, and the devil is great with that. Go ahead and mock him. Just pretend he's somebody running around with little horns and a pitchfork running around, and that's about it. He's good with that. But make no mistake, it, the devil isn't just how we like to put a, a personification to evil. He is a very real angelic being that is in this world. Jesus believed in him. He talked about him frequently in places. And we even see his discussion with him that he had when he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. He talked about him in John chapter 14, John chapter 16, other places as well. The apostles believed in him. Paul talked about him. Peter talked about him. James talked about him. It's just not the personification of evil. It's a very real being that exists. You see him throughout Scripture from Genesis chapter 3 with the temptation of Eve, of Eve to Matthew chapter 4 with tempting the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and trying to hinder God's man. We see him again as the God of this world that is brought up. We see him fighting in the book of Jude with Michael the archangel. He's at place after place throughout Scripture. Revelation chapter 16, even wanting the desire of the nations. We see that he snares the wicked in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He opposes God's work in Zechariah chapter 3. He has the whole world lying in his lap, 1 John chapter 5. He has been in place throughout all of history. Fifty-six times he's called Satan in the Bible. That is his most common title, the adversary. 
35 times he is called devil. The accuser, the slanderer. He's called the old serpent, the great dragon, the roaring lion, the evil one. Tempter, accuser. The spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Again, described in John 8, 44 as a murderer and as a liar. He works overtly and covertly. He has flat out doctrines of devils with seducing spirits at work. Seducing spirits at work. First John 3, 8, he is a sinner. In, in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15, he's an imitator. I mean, just think he's a master at appearing as an angel of light. He is not an easy enemy for us to overcome. Three times in the Gospel of John, he is called the ruler of this world. That's in John 12, 14, and 16. You see, our real enemy right now in this world is not mankind. It is Satan. This is a good reason why we should never allow what we see taking place turn to a hatred of men. The devil has his seducing spirit. He has his lying spirit. He has a deception in place. He's great at causing division. He's great at leading to a deception and murder. He is the enemy. It tells us in Scripture that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them, and they should believe. Multitudes upon multitudes, billions, under the deception of Satan right now. If you're going to hate, then hate him and his forces. He is the enemy. Please remember, that could easily be you who is deceived. I was talking, I, I think it was Brother Paul O. this afternoon, we were talking in between services. And, and this week I was thinking how, how good it is, especially with how rapidly and, and the deception that is in this world. What people believe is just astounding. How more so than ever in, in, in the last couple of hundred years in this world has it been so great to be in a Christian family. To be able to have a sense of normalcy. To understand what truth is about. Up until this time, I mean, for hundreds of years, Christianity affected the entire culture. That's no longer true. I mean, could you imagine today? I mean, I went to public school. Started in 1976, 77, I was six, seven years old. Going to public school, finishing high school in 1988. Every single year was in public school. I could not imagine going to public school today. It wasn't great then. I mean, you've heard the stories, mocked by my uh, a science teacher in front of the entire class. But nothing like today. At least I was actually taught somewhat of an education. I didn't have somebody stand up before me and say, well, I'm binary. You're what? I wasn't being taught a philosophy. I could not imagine having to go through that today.
You cannot defeat this enemy at the ballot box. You cannot defeat this enemy with boycotts. Know what you need? The armor. You need the armor. I want you to notice something here. In verse 11, it commands us to put on the whole armor of God, not just the pieces you like, of course. But it says this, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He uses this word, wiles. That word alone should cause you to run to the armor. To get it on as quick as you can. It really is. When you think of Satan and the kingdom he has, I'm going to get into that next, describing his kingdom. And you understand that he uses wiles. The word means this. The word means that which is traced out with method. That which is methodized. That which is well laid out, art, skill, and cunning. The word speaks to a strategy that he puts in place. He's actively working this world, seeing, I mean, he has it, 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 there's such a manner of control within this world that it comes down from the personal level, level all the way to the geopolitical spectrum. At every area he can, that what he's trying to do in the families and call, cause destruction, matching it at the geopolitical level. His attacks are not just random attacks. He's not like uh, uh, Hamas or uh, um, Hezbollah just launching rockets and hope they hit something. When he fires something, he has a direct target in mind every single time. When he chooses to fire, he's waiting for the right moment. Waiting for the right, wait, 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 now. He has a measure of craftiness and cunningness. On top of this, the deceitfulness. You think of the hatred he has for God. Any angle he can think against him. An extremely intelligent being that you're not going to outsmart. Your pride will lead to your destruction with him. He has deceived mankind in ways that at times is just boggling what he has gotten mankind to believe. Numerous false religious systems. I mean, at times, I, I, I completely, I believe he just sits back and laughs. I mean, look what's taking place in the world right now. With, with He gets this motto out there that the Muslim religion is the religion of peace. Really? I mean, he has to be laughing at that as we look around and see what's taking place and how violent and murderous and horrible and wretched it is. But he gets world politicians like Barack Obama to stand up and proclaim it's a religion of peace. What deception. I mean... Satan, on multiple occasions, was able to take the people of God, the ones that had the communication, the revelation of God, the prophets. 
He was able to deceive them time and time again to get them to worship idols. Incredible. Now listen to me. Much of his work, looking back over history, is done in two areas. In, um, in that of ideas, ideology, and morality. He attacks in those areas. He knows the power and the destructiveness of both. He wants to control what you think and how you think. He needs to try and affect how you view the world, how you view God. Much of his battles is in how you think and how you perceive the world. He wanted to adjust how Eve saw God. He wanted to change it just slightly. He wanted to take some of the truth, put his deception in, and actually get her thinking, you know what, he just wants you... You're just missing out on something. Much of his battles is in, is in world view. And then, of course, into morality. To lead, because the truth is, if, if he can get you just so, he can just destroy life after life that is just controlled and dominated by immorality. That sin has its, has its fangs in you. It, it, it's, it's cords tied. Because now you're in no place to mess with his plan when it comes to ideology in the world. He wants the mind. He wants people convinced there are no absolutes. And he's been very successful at it. So, understand, if he has that in place and he has schemes, wiles, in place, strategies, methodized things in place to lead to that end. <clears throat> and please think of the amount of, quote, churches and Christians that have fallen duped to these lies. He wants people to believe you have your own truth. That's another one he has to laugh at. That you get to pick your own truth. Wow. I mean, right now, he's sitting back and laughing as he has men that should be acting like a man. To be who God created them to be. And they want to go around wearing dresses and say, no, actually, I'm a woman. And they actually believe it. They believe that. The deception is so strong and so severe. They actually believe. And then the culture around them, yes, that's true. You have your own, if that's who you are, so be it. Listen, the suicide rates are so high in there. It has nothing to do with our stand to tell them, no, that's not true. We're the hope they have. It is the destruction of Satan and the blindness of that deceit leading to utter confusion and a wasted life.
I mean, think about it. He has now, I, I, I should have looked it up. I think that the percentage has grown year after year. I think we're up to around a 23% worldwide or something along those lines of the world believing out of 7 billion, so a substantial amount, believing there is no God at all. To look around at this universe, at the stars at night, the beauty we see, the air we breathe, the air we breathe, how this earth is spinning at the exact speed, at perfect distance from the sun, so clearly everything in creation, screaming, Creator. And yet almost a quarter of the population doesn't even believe a creator exists. We came from nothing. <laughs> we came from nothing. Yep. Ridiculous. I heard, I was watching this. I don't know if the guy was even a Christian who said it, but he made a great point. I, I'd watched a, s- a small clip here this week, and it was a discussion with atheists. And he said, and, and he clearly did believe in God. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I've never seen the man before in my life or anything like that. But he brought up a great point to him. And he had to get him thinking. He said, so let me believe this right. So you believe in the beginning nothing. That nothing, that all this happened. And the agreement, yes. And then you believe when you die, you go to nothingness. And they said, yes. He said, so you believe when you die, you go back to your God. I thought, oh, man. Almost a quarter of the world believing there is no creator. He actually has Western culture convinced that actually being a stay-at-home mom, taking care of your family, being the biblical family that, with the husband leading and loving the wife, with the wife submitting and loving the husband, that somehow that's a bad thing. Multitudes believing that. Let me quote from a couple of commentators here on the devil and who he is in his wiles. He teaches a lifestyle that damns. He involves himself in politics and governments and nations as well as individual lives. To Christians, he comes and creates doubt in their minds, as he did to Eve and did throughout history of God's people. He creates persecution against them. He hinders their service. He infiltrates the church with his terrors. He tempts us to self-reliance, to doubt, to lies, to immorality, to worldliness, to pride, to discouragement, on and on. And he does all this with such subtlety. Here's another quote from another commentator. Our enemy is a formidable enemy. You can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't outwit him. And it's an enemy in the supernatural realm. Literally, perhaps millions of demons engulfed in a system that's beyond our comprehension. There's no way you can deal with that system with human intellect. There's no way you can deal with that system in human power. But be this known, God's power is available. And if you put the armor on, the whole system is powerless against you. We need the armor. It's more than just cute Sunday school verses. You need the armor. Look at his kingdom in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. A glimpse glimpse here into his kingdom. 
Our enemy, again, is not flesh and blood. I mean, just for a second, when you look on the world, there needs to be a measure of pity, a measure of compassion. Imagine growing up in this world apart from Christ into a family that has been completely duped by this master deceiver, this master destroyer. Coming up and believing that, that as you've gone through school, you went through the public institution, what you were fed at home, the lies that you're believing are actual truth, heading off to university, having it reinforced and reinforced. And you're blinded in that. Actually living and giving your life towards such vileness and wretchedness. And yet in your own eyes, you are convinced, convinced beyond doubt, it's a righteous goal. Make sure you know who the real enemy is. This verse speaks to an innumerable number of demons at Satan's control and command. There's a hierarchy that has been established. A working structure we see is in place. He has a true demon empire. Now in Genesis 2.1, we remember God created all the hosts of heaven at one time. Boom, they existed. All of them. It was done. Angels do not procreate. They were all created at a single point in time in human history. They all have existed since that moment in time. They were created differently. As we study the scriptures, we get some insight, but really not a lot. But here are some things that we learn about the angels. And again, Satan and all the, all the demons are simply fallen angels. Angels are different. We see that there are different kinds that we're aware of. There might be multitudes more different kinds, but this is just what we know of from Scripture. We see all angels are not equal. There are cherubims, seraphim. There are angels that are more archangels, those who would be above, those in leadership positions. Only three are given names in Scripture. That is Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. So God, upon creation, at the same time in that week of creation, created an angelic force. It had structure and it had order. Different functions and different capacities. And Satan, as we know, being, a, being an angel lifted up with a... a, a, a a really an incredible position that he had. Pride got to him, and he fell. And still, I, I, I don't. Maybe I'll understand this when I get to heaven. I can't right now. I do know that. I, I don't understand how a third left. Maybe they were just cast. God knowing what had already taken place. 
And remember, God knew that before he created him. He's just, he's sovereign. I mean, he's, he's, he already knew exactly what would happen. It wasn't a surprise to God. Not at all. He already saw how everything was going to play out. A third of them fell with Satan. The anointed cherubim. They have principalities, it tells us. This speaks to the order they have with Satan at the very top. Their structure, their function, things in place as they battle us. They have their own government, if you will. You know, we can look back at, at our United States government. We see key places where strategy is developed. Like those in the military. I think somewhere signed on. Brother Rico might have been. I can't remember who all was. Um, we have the Pentagon. All right. That Pentagon is filled with key positions from all branches of the service looking at different. So we're ready for anything that takes place in the world, what we need to do and how we need to do it, how we can accomplish it, how we can get it done, plan after plan after plan. Constantly looking at what's going on in the world, adjusting, adapting. What do we need? What weapon do we need now? How do we need this developed? Get with that comfort. We need something like this now. Get it in development. Do you understand? He has his own Pentagon. As to what's taking place in the world. What phase to act now. Where to go now. What strategy to put in place. What will work. What are you seeing? What? I mean, it's, it's a hierarchy. His own satellites and spy rings are just simply multitudes of demons in place everywhere. They have powers, as we see, as they're the rulers of the darkness of this world. Demons are organized and put into positions. They have authority and places in this wicked world. Spiritual wickedness, it says, in high places. High places, meaning the spiritual dimension. Above and beyond us, outside the dimensions of our world. So, as we read through here, we see there is a sophisticated system at work in this world 24-7. Non-stop. Always going. To fight against God. To fight against His truth. And the comforting thing is, in this is all of this. God will use everything He does. He thinks He's thwarting God and fighting God. God, God in His sovereignty and His... his Really, if you think of, I mean, creation has always been the biggest thing about God that just amazes me about his power. When you look at the universe and what's there and what's taking place, it's just amazing. But right next to that is his sovereignty in everything. And how he makes it work perfect with Satan's decision and Satan knowing exactly what he's going to do. And God already has in place, I know how I'm going to use that. What is in place?
one of the most powerful angels that was created, the anointed cherubim, fell. Now has been at work with a structure for 6,000 years. As we look what's taking place around us, we can see how it's working. We can see how even God in prophecy revealed to man that days like this would come. The earth abound with violence, division. I mean, seeing what our nations went through in the last three or four years is just incredible. This great organized force is our enemy. And you need the armor. It's what God has given to us. It's where our protection lies. It is, notice, let's go into verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. He is telling you, understand what you are facing, what the battle is there, but that if you will take on the armor of God, you will stand. You know, in, in, even in the American military, we don't have that promise. We can put on the best armor. We can be, at times, in the best position, but at any moment, you could be overrun. At any moment, something could happen. There's nothing where there's an indefensible situation arises. I mean, you can just think with Afghanistan and all the missions that have taken place, the multitudes of the most highly trained special forces we have dying. We had them in the best position to survive with the best training we could give. And we even recognize going into it, we're going to have to sacrifice. With the armor, it works every time. This is how we stand. Notice, I think it's important in this verse. I remember going back to my teenage years and starting to dive into the Bible, how that definite article there, the word the, always grabbed my attention. That ye may be able to withstand, not in a evil day, in the evil day. Again, remember, he's not only doing this at a world level, but on a personal level. Just trying to play you like a chessboard. Trying to get you to a checkmate. Trying to put pieces in place. So that when, when he decides, now, go with the attack, now. All of a sudden, and I believe it happened at many different times in our life. You are faced with an evil day. With a decision that will change your family, with a decision that will change your life, you need the armor on. If you're going to stand your ground, you need this armor. And this has nothing to do, by the way, with chasing demons down and calling them out. Yeah, that's not even in here. Wouldn't you think that would be in Ephesians chapter 6? We 
one thing I know I do not have is apostolic power. I do not. Nor am I going to pretend that I do. There is one way that I will stand. And that's it. In my flesh, I wouldn't make it. And that is by the armor of God. And when we come into next Sunday, we'll start diving into the armor itself. And again, I hope to change your perception on it. That you will determine to leave with armor on. With heavy